Hi, welcome to Brownline Church's Midweek Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm here with Kyle. Hello. And we are today responding to our topic from last Sunday, loneliness. And we really enjoyed hearing from uh, Linda Kim, uh, who helped us with along with the discussion. Um, today, I think we, just to kick us off, Kyle, I was thinking about how you and I tend to really stand up and take notice when social sciences and uh spiritual wisdom from the scriptures or from the life of Jesus speak in concert. Uh, that tends to be when we're like, oh yeah, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I just really felt like that was happening on Sunday. Um, we had lots of people mentioning uh, in the chats, uh, various um, uh, popular uh, writers and speakers today, like Brene Brown and, uh, and just how um, the, when we when we see the psychological and the spiritual align, uh, there's there's good stuff there. Um, were you noticing the same? Absolutely. I think um, because something like loneliness, what we were talking about, is a universal human experience. It's not like it only afflicts some people, or it's only something that a handful of folks have, have gone through in life. It, it's one of those things that we have always been trying to understand. And so obviously for us, from a spiritual tradition of like, how do we understand ourselves? How do we understand God? Loneliness is going to be something that has come into play, but also from psychology, from uh, sociology, trying to understand why and how loneliness works within us. It makes sense that this is going to be a conversation that kind of interweaves. I think that's true with a lot of these kinds of topics uh, that are about just universal human experience. I think that tends to be a good place uh, where both off psychology and spiritual traditions can speak well in concert with each other. I think that's probably why we ended up talking a great deal about um, the Psalms. And then uh, at one point, uh, Linda brought in one of the the prayers that's written out in um, in Paul's writings from Philippians, the um, in, in everything, you know, uh, pray and, uh, and do not be anxious, but bring your uh, petitions with prayer, uh, to God. And, um, I suppose that's right because that is a, a real block of the scriptures. Um, you know, we, I think we, we talk a fair amount about how, um, understanding like what, what do we actually have in the writings that make up the Bible is an important thing, important question to ask before we can get anything out of them. And a great deal of what we have is like, stock prayers, like things that you can make your own words to help your own prayer life. Um, And I guess that's why we spent a lot of time there is because we're talking about one of these universal human experiences. Um, It's just that this universal human experience maybe has never been quite so uh, in the forefront for so many people all at once. <laughs> I, <laughs> something that Linda said really stood out to me of like, uh, the we're all suddenly living as though we're deeply depressed and that's like the norm. Yeah, I, we live in a stage and a society and culture in this moment where if you were to brew uh, a, a pot of loneliness, you would take uh, American individualism uh, throw it into social isolation and then throw a little bit of like worldwide fear and trauma on top. And you would kind of brew all the things that really help lead to loneliness. And so I think uh, for us, I think that's the part of this that is so uh, interesting to me is that you look at what it's like for us today and you compare even through traumas throughout history. We've talked before about the the plague, we've talked before about different wars, periods of times where there was worldwide trauma. Um, but the difference in this experience is both 
cultural, like where we are in history, being the most individualistic culture ever. You know, in America, one out of four people live alone. Like that's just unheard of in world history. And then you take that on top of a trauma where the way we get through that trauma is isolating ourselves from other people. I, th I think a lot about um, our, there, there was a good deal of discussion in the chat about uh, the connection between self-care and connecting with God. And in a lot of ways, I think when we talk about this at our church, it, it's a given. Like it, we, we almost like don't even, don't even draw that thread because it just seems obvious. Uh, but maybe it's worth talking about that thread and, and, and pulling it and, and drawing it really explicitly of the line between self-care and connection with God. Are they the same thing? Are, is there so much overlap that, there is, that it is worth talking about the differences? Um, is it less than I'm, than I'm claiming? Like maybe do we, do we need to tease out the differences between those two and that would be useful? What do you think? I think uh, at its heart, connection with God is a part of self-care. And I think that when you talk about what we're trying to do right now, which is help people navigate the real uh, difficult experience of what we're going through, I think maybe if you're taking the lens of connection with God and then putting, uh, sorry, taking the lens of self-care and then looking at connection with God through that, that's pretty helpful. And I think often when we talk okay. about God, that can be a pretty uh, like wide ranging conversation. And as often as we've talked about before, is connected to our culture and where we've come from. I think for our purposes, if we're saying pursuit of connection with God, I think especially in this stage, it needs to be self-care. If, if, if you are doing something in pursuit of connection with God and it is not something that is about self-care or it's not leading to self-care, because even like the times of connection with God where you may be inviting uh, like challenge, like help me think about something or, or show something in the way that I do life that is actually not serving me. Like I still think that that is still self-care. I actually think yeah. all of those things, the best version, the kind of version of connection with God for us, maybe the way we can talk about it is how do we wade through all those cultural assumptions that connection with God kind of brings up with us. We're saying if you throw the lens of self-care in front of it and say, if you can see this as uh, through the lens of self-care, then yes, we act, that's the kind of connection with God we're talking about. I like that. So they're, they're not exactly the same things, but um, if self-care is something that I think is a, is a topic that is um, talked about a great deal right now, and I'm super glad for that. I think that that's a good move of our culture, that that's a, that's like, it's even a buzzword. Like, you know, self-care is important and people want to hear about it and people want to read more about it. And that is... Uh, that can be a lens um, for us to see connection with God and especially helpful because any of us who spent uh, much time in um, traditional American religious settings or, or just like around popular American religious beliefs, whether we were in a religious setting or not uh, growing up, can I don't think we're taught actually that that's the first lens that we should look through to find connection with God or identify or define connection with God. It, it is not like, what feels like self-care. We, we, we use different questions. And so um, this suggestion of like, yeah, actually, so self-care is one of the best um, things that you can hold up next to uh, a pursuit of God to understand whether or not you're connecting with that God. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think some of the traditions that I come from, you know, part of my background and, and heritage is in kind of a 
charismatic Holy Spirit kind of background and the lens of connection with God there would be uh, not necessarily seen through the lens of self-care. It's seen through like, what are you seeing? Like big, are you seeing miracles? Are you seeing these kind of big like that okay. mm-hmm. relationship with God? It's like, are you seeing people being healed? Are you having people sharing prophetic words or maybe another version of, of it from kind of the more evangelical roots that I've come from would be his connection with God is more just like a, a matter of, it's a discipline, um, you know, or if it, it's some kind of uh, relational, like, experience between a God that you're cultivating through various disciplines. And I, and I think that all of these things um, have can lead to what we talk about for connection with God. I think they're not necessarily bad things in any way, shape, or form. However, I think that when we are analyzing and we're trying to think about what are the things that I'm doing that are leading into connection with God, I think it the lens that we, I think, are best served at are, is this making me into the, the mature, loving, more full, like to use Brene Brown's terminology, more wholehearted human beings. And the things that I am doing in service of connection with God that is making me wholehearted, those are the, the pathways that I should keep leaning into. And, and I think for us, that's a pretty important distinction of why why do we emphasize the things that we emphasize in the kind of buffet that is you know practices that help us connect with god it's the things that we think in the end are going to lead us into a connection with god that makes us more wholehearted people well this reminds me of the analogy that we've um, visited a few times over the last month the god as doctor versus god as boss um that the the optimal image, the image that Jesus himself um, presents uh, to people is to consider uh, God the good physician, the doctor. And uh, and so if we're get, if we're to get anything from this God, um, the way that that would happen is if we regard ourselves as in some way in need of a doctor for our ongoing care and our ongoing health. and and then the things that God would be offering to us are, uh, prescriptions for our health. Here, here is this thing that will keep you healthy. Here is this thing that will uh, heal you if you are sick or if you are ill or if there's you know some sort of wound that needs to be um, patched up. Um, and then here are the things to maintain that healthy lifestyle, which is a different. Uh, and that I think feels really connected with self care. Self care being a lens through which we see whether or not we're connecting with God. And the the um, the opposite analogy be, uh, that we've mentioned is, is regarding God as your boss, which we think, is, you know, it's, maybe it's not always with those terms, but that more classically um, defines the popular belief of like what God is. God, you you get a job description from God, and you know you go out and you do that job description like a good, faithful, loyal employee, and then you're you know you get your paycheck of salvation for all eternity, um, and um, and that that being an image that we don't actually see Jesus propagating, even though that's largely what is propagated by people who claim the name of Jesus today in America. Um, but yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I think again that analogy really captures the way that uh, self care is a is a really really helpful lens if you're trying to figure out like what does connecting with God look like, or or even like a, an interesting question of like whether or not you're connecting with God. <laughs> um, I actually think like if you are engaging in self care. Then there's a good chance that you are connecting with God, um, and and maybe maybe uh, giving us all permission to believe that we are could be really helpful for a lot of us. Like, hey, I am connecting with God because I'm doing self care. 
you know, and maybe it's, it is important to tease these things out. Cause I think, you know, there's things that we do with self-care that aren't necessarily about connecting with God, but you know, you know, but I actually think maybe perhaps if we're using self-care as the, an evaluative, evaluative tool on the things we're doing to connect with God, you know, is this actually caring for myself? And I think sometimes we can feel like self-care or, that is somehow like a, a, you know, like a selfish thing or like there's something about that that is tainted. I actually, I don't, I think that pursuing things that are going to make you a healthier and happier person is not a matter of being selfish. I think that's actually, you're more likely to be a healthier and better friend and you're more likely to be in a place to actually help and care for others. Um, and I think that that, it's just maybe more helpful even than a lens as I hear us talk about it now is more of like a, uh, an evaluative tool of if I'm doing things, is this yeah. actually gonna, is this caring for myself doing this or am I just fulfilling some job description that has been given to me? Well, and that allows it to have a, uh, a d- dynamic definition. Um, another thing kind of uh, that we visited a number of times, um, uh, Jesus is, uh, you know, famously says, I am the truth, um, which is very different from saying, I teach the truth. Uh, you know, the idea that truth is dynamic. Truth is a person. So truth is more following uh, the wisdom of a of somebody who, who may give one bit of advice in one situation to one person and something different to another person in another situation, rather than truth being, you know, a, a static list that you're either checking off the boxes or not. Uh, this feels connected to that um, in the sense that like, I mean, self-care, I, th- I suppose the, the reason that there is, um, there are, there are critical uh, or like, I think some people, um, it, it, it feels very like in vogue to, um, to uh, rag on self-care because it's become a buzzword because it's something that's in like the, the collective consciousness right now. And I think where that's coming from is, that where that criticism is coming from is a sense of like, uh, I, you know, like, so saying, you know, if, if you've had a long week and just deciding I'm going to drink a whole bottle of wine by myself and calling that self-care is not actually self-care and that's fair. Right. You know, like, um, but, but I think the idea that, um, it's, it's less about like, well, we need a better definition of what are those things that are self-care and what are those things that are now self-care and more, we need a better, uh, more dynamic sense of what it means. And maybe that's why, in one sense, like from a spiritual perspective, maybe self-care needs God in order for it to be really good because there isn't this, it, 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 there actually isn't a list. There actually isn't a perfect, um, here's what it is and here's what it isn't. Uh, it is very, I need, you know, going back to our, uh, last week's podcast, of we need the, a theology of the Holy Spirit. We need the bit of God that can reside in each human heart individually and speak to you for your specific situation. You know, there's two things that strike me about this. One is my level of irritation with um, a lot of American evangelical culture is also echoed in some of the kind of liberal self-help culture. And it's a lot of like, this is the thing that's going to make it all okay. There's a sense of like, uh, you know, like you, you need to do this practice, whether, you know, we're talking about like extra, like, you know, CrossFit is everything, or it's like this, you know, Bikram yoga, or it's, oh, that's this diet, it's going keto. And not that any of those things are bad, just like on the other end of things, like having a quiet time in the morning isn't bad, you know, going to church isn't bad, reading the Bible or not. It's not that these things are bad. It's just this human tendency to want to feel like we get it and then tell the rest yeah. of the 
this is the way to that. And then the other piece that connects with me with what you said is this kind of theology of the Holy Spirit. And I think that the, when we talk specifically about loneliness and we talk about this, uh, you know, what really struck me is the kind of universal understanding that isolation and loneliness are not the same thing, that being alone and loneliness are not the same thing, that loneliness is something we experience in the presence of others. And as we really reflect on what loneliness is, I think that it's this, it, the truth is being lonely is an experience of like, nobody's seeing me right now, like really seeing me. Like I, I can in this room right now, but nobody really knows me. Nobody really sees me. And the truth is, you know, our loneliness can be combated by other people. That That's wonderful. But there's a, um, is it, I believe it's St. John Chrysostom talks about us being uh, fractured crystals. Um, I believe fractured crystals. Yes. And the idea that we actually do all reflect the image of God, but we are imperfect in the way that we reflect that. And so I actually think when, you know, Vince, you're there for me and I'm feeling uh, alone, I'm feeling lonely. And in that, what I mean is that I don't feel seen, I don't feel known. And then you see me and know me in that moment. I actually think that that's an experience of the Holy Spirit, like God being reflected through you to me. Um, but you are a fractured crystal. I'm like, in, in the sense of you're never going to be able to do that perfectly in the same way that I am never going to be able to solve and meet somebody else's entire need for uh, like loneliness to be overcome. And that's where this experience of the Holy Spirit is somebody, something I actually experience seeing me and knowing me. So even when I am alone, I feel seen and known. And so I'm curious for you when you think about that, and you think specifically about the pressure that we then can put on other people, whether it's romantic partners or other things to say, if I'm feeling lonely, that it's something that like you're looking to the people around you to solve that within yourself. And the real challenge of that sometimes, I'm, I'm just curious, uh, we briefly touched on some of that conversation around kind of our culture's obsession and focus on romantic partners to solve that on Sunday, but I was curious what you think about that, what, you, what are some of the things in this kind of obsession our culture has of saying your romantic partner is meant to fulfill all of your need for connection? Boy, I mean, there's so much that can be said. Um, there, there's one um, uh, writer from the 20th century, a guy named Ernest Becker, who wrote um, extensively uh, on on this among many other things, but he, he wrote a book called the denial of death, which is, you know, such a cheery topic and, uh, and actually argued that, um, he saw that like the, um, the secularizing of American and Western society that, you know, becoming less, um, uh, less inclined toward belief in God, uh, uh led to, um, he's, he thinks it directly led to, um, society becoming obsessed with the idea of like a soulmate that there is like it was like the replacement for um spirituality believing in god is like well there's like there's like one person out there who's made for me and romance will be my 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 tapping into great purpose and you know what is beyond and what is transcendent uh in life um if there is no god um and that's really interesting i mean i i think I, honestly, like I mean, the 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 thing that I would think of in terms of uh, the wisdom of the Jesus the Jesus tradition is um, idolatry and like the discussion of like you know like this is this is an age old tale you know this is this is what we what we do again and again and again and each culture just has its own little spin on it. It is 
how can I um, how can I find uh, meaning in a way that I mean usually it's how can I find meaning in a way that makes me feel safe and I don't really care if that hurts other people and you know in in, in it, that's sort of the one way to define what idolatry ends up being um, and if you like you know follow the stories in the Old Testament it, it can kind of seem um, hard to relate to today because you're talking about um, totally different cultural practices but at least for us like you know it it is it is not surprising that the optimal picture that most of us are given of somebody who is connected with God is a white male middle class straight person who is in a relationship. Um, you know, like it's re- it, it's much easier to find yourself feeling connected with God based on the images we're given um, if you're all of those things. Um, if you are single, if you are not white, if you are not male, if you are not uh, uh, straight, it it's just less likely that there's been a picture painted for you of what rich connection with God looks like. And all of us need role models. Like all of us need things to look to, to kind of compare ourselves against, to understand what does it look like for me to connect with God? Um, and I, I mean, I, again, like this come this comes back to like, what are the, at least for us as a church, like what are the pictures that we are presenting to people in terms of what it looks like to be connected with God? Are we presenting pictures that people actually might see themselves um, like comparing themselves to and that making sense to? Um, so I, I, I think back to the, uh, something that uh, a conversation that you and I had uh, years ago, Kyle, which is we were discussing um, th- this was like early on in, in uh, uh, Brownline getting started. And we were talking about like, what what do we want? Uh, why are we why are we giving talks on Sunday? Like, why are we going up there and and trying to speak from the wisdom of Jesus or from the Bible and uh, share that with people. And one thing we said, uh, when one thing we reflected about um, sermons that we were very, mo- very much used to were uh, that we didn't like, which was, we don't know what, th- uh, we, we were not attracted to sermons where we don't know what the person speaking, what their prayer life looks like. Like, what does their prayer life look like? And we, if we couldn't figure that out, if we couldn't like, actually see ourselves comparing our own prayer life to their prayer life because they weren't sharing about that or because they were talking about some things that that I don't know were were had nothing to do with that we were like what are we getting from that um I don't know I, I find myself thinking about that in this conversation yeah I, I think it's you know it is a, to all the people listening it is a fraught thing to listen to somebody else speak and try to take their thoughts and takeaways and apply it to your own life. Uh, it is a fraught and often abused thing. And so I think for us, it wasn't so much that we were like, hey, I don't think there's anything that, that is worth talking about outside of somebody's prayer life. It was just the piece of for us that always felt most helpful was not what somebody thought about something, not what some great, miraculous, awesome, heroic story they could tell, which feels like a lot of sermons are just like, what are the coolest stories you can tell me? But the thing that we felt like, oh, you know what? This feels like a trustworthy experience to walk into is when it felt like this person was revealing a little bit of what it looks like for them to wrestle and pursue an experience of faith in prayer. And I think, and that's because that's the thing that we walk away from. Of Like, you know, I hear a heroic story and I walk away from that. Usually it's like, well, I better be more heroic next time or I better, you know, my, why doesn't my life have more stories like that? Opposed to people when you walk away and be like, oh, okay. So when this person experiences loneliness, this is what they actually do with it. 
not not they're not just telling me stories about how all these people have overcome loneliness through these great things they're talking about when they walk through things what happens and i think for us it was more of just a it felt easier and what felt more accessible and i i think about um what does that mean for us as a community and i think that's why a lot of the times what we're trying to encourage people to do is to try things in their own life and using our own experience of life to encourage that and i think battling loneliness is is one of those things significantly because it's so easy to be trite if i'm not speaking from personal experience it is so easy for us to be like communicating something about here's the solution to loneliness or God cures loneliness, or we have a Jesus that's with us always, so you never have to be lonely. And that's a real danger if we're not actually acknowledging, oh, I struggle with loneliness, you struggle with loneliness, that's a human thing. And so what are the things I actually do to combat it? Not that I overcome it, but what are the things I do when I'm in that moment where all of a sudden I'm realizing nobody here really sees me, nobody here really knows me. What is something I can do in that space to be more seen and to be more known? I wonder how that strikes you. Yeah, no, and, and uh, it it strikes me in in a way that I'm just nodding my head. Um, it's it it does feel once again to tie this back to one of the themes that have been uh, that's been coming up again and again in our last month of discussions um, is. Uh, I come back to the word relationship, um, and maybe that's where, um, where where many of those trite religious sayings fall on deaf ears for me. Um, it's missing the relational element in what it means to connect with God. Um, God is is not a magic trick, you know. God is not like you you put the right things in the pot and stir it, and then suddenly you you know because you said the magic incantation or you know put the recipe or formula together correctly, you magically are not lonely anymore. I mean, and it's, it's, it, this, is, this is relationship, and relationships have, have given and, and take and, and push and pull, and, 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 and it's, it's not something that can be, um, you know, if you're manipulating a relationship, that's when it goes awry. And, uh, and so it, 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 has to, it has to work itself out, like, in a way that there is, there isn't, there is something else on the other end of that line, um, not just, you know, it's not just a matter of you manipulating things so that it, it, it magically gets better for you. And, um, and I, I think that that is, that is freeing. Like that's not, um, we don't, we, I don't think any of us actually want something that is easily manipulated. We certainly wouldn't want a God that's easily manipulated. I think we want something that feels real. Uh, but what that requires is actually the, um, you know, this is, this is like the, the, um, what you 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 get out what you put inside of this discussion which is like relationships do take work like they they're the most healing and wonderful and life-giving things in our lives but they do take work and that's no different uh, with our relationship with god and maybe that's why uh, you know to bring this full circle coming back to self-care and and self-care being a topic that is popular right now i think that's good because the 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 thing in there that is really helpful is that we're recognizing self-care doesn't come automatically we uh we do actually have to be intentional about taking care of ourselves and and likewise you know for that overlap between self-care and connection with god that we've been working we have to be intentional for us to actually feel that relationship and that connection deepen so that we can more readily recognize it and understand it and feel it impacting our lives for the better you know i think uh, what really strikes me about this is the sense of developing a, a connection or relationship with God where uh, 
I'm able to better understand myself and better understand the things that will actually work for me. You know, specifically in the conversation of loneliness, I think so often in life, the moments I feel lonely, I put the responsibility of that cure on other people. I, I put it on other things like, oh, I feel lonely. I wish my friends would. I wish, you know, like the sense of- It's the, the whole read, read my mind thing. Yeah, exactly. we all do that. Yeah. Whereas honestly, most of the times where other people have really met me in my loneliness has been those times where uh, through self-reflection, through prayer, through counseling, I've actually begun to understand more what I actually need and what I actually want so that I actually can communicate those needs and wants and emotions to the people around me. And then they're able to help meet those, meet me in that space. And the, the other part is they're not always able to meet me perfectly because we are flawed people. And this goes back a little bit to the uh, kind of the weight we put on romantic relationships that it's supposed to be our end all be all. And whenever I think about what I want, I'm like, absolutely, I want the end all be all. But when you think about what I need to be for somebody else, that's a little bit more humbling because you, I'm aware of where I fall short. And I think this experience of developing a relationship with God who is bigger and infinite and truly does know me, it enables me to sink into a place with something that's actually trustworthy to, to sink into in the way that other people absolutely can help meet our needs and help us feel more seen, but they are not going to be a complete tool in that end because they're finite and imperfect things that we're trying to get this really deep existential need met through. And yet they're still fractured crystals, so we can get light from them, but they, it just not that, that end all be all thing. It, it kind of, it once again comes back to this idea of like balance and tension and um, and they're not being one size fits all and thinking that any one thing can be the, the, you know, the, the silver bullet is that that's when we get into, into, you know, bad thinking that won't serve us. Let me, let me ask you before we, as we wrap, come towards an end right now, what are the things you're doing that feel like they are making the biggest difference either in terms of loneliness or in terms of self-care? Good question. I well, I, I suppose my most consistent practice um, has been something I mentioned before of uh, five days a week, I get up before everybody else in the house and set a timer for 20 minutes and try to do some level of uh, contemplative or meditative prayer uh, where I don't really have an agenda. Um, I'm trying to follow my breath and keep my body and my, and my, uh, my, my mind space still. Uh, and it's more about observing what's going on in me than it is about bringing specific requests to God, although that does happen in that 20-minute time. And I, the thing that immediately comes to me is like of why this has been helpful is not actually because those prayer times every time have been so helpful. There have been a few times since this whole shelter in place thing began where I've actually like, I really felt like God spoke to me in a way that, that immediately met a, a, an anxiety or a need that I was having. And that's great. I think it's happened three or four times since this shelter in place thing started. Um, but aside from those three or four times, the, 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 those, those 20 minutes of prayer five days a week <clears throat> are not necessarily changing my life. Um, in, in like, they're not, I'm not going back to him and thinking, oh my God, what an incredible time this was. It's actually 
the way that I the, the way that I can draw a line between those things and the rest of my life. It's the fact that I'm doing that that I'm setting aside that time. Um, I think that that is impacting the rest of my life when I'm not in a prayerful space, when I'm not setting aside or trying to be quiet. Like I'm, I'm amped up because my kids are doing something that's stressing me out or I have work that I'm working on and I'm, I'm focused, you know, or I'm in conflict with somebody and I'm trying to hash it out. You know, it's all of those times I think are impacted positively by me having that 20 minutes uh, of, of time to observe what's going on with me to do this kind of like self-care thing and to, and to presume in that moment that God is an ally with me in self-care. Um, again, I don't, I don't necessarily like see specifically what happens. I don't necessarily, I can't like like write a, a, because it's not a magic formula. It's not, um, it's not stirring the pot and putting the right recipes in and, and then, you know, I have the right thing. It's more that I think, I think relational language is more useful for me to understand what's happening there is I'm, I'm investing time in a relationship, trying to spend time slowing down just considering I'm here with God and we're just going to, you know, be in each other's presence for a little bit. And then recognize that later on, having made that investment, I think I'm just more resourced to handle those those things when life is going 90 miles per hour, as it so often feels like. Think about, for me right now, there's three things that I'm doing that feel like they are making a difference. One of them is something I did pre-pandemic, which is uh, I, every morning I, when I take a shower, I turn on some music that's like a music that I'm not, it's kind of lose my mind to kind of music. And then I pray a version of what's going to Wait, I'm imagining you like lose it, like like in the club, lose your mind. I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> it's a lot of Lil Wayne. Uh, it's, uh, it's usually like folky, you know, things like that. Stuff that's kind of like folky, acoustic, whatever. It's just yeah, like, yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Ice tunes, and it, and then I take a shower or a bath, and usually the running of the water makes it hard to hear the lyrics, but that's actually helpful for me. Um, and then I say a version of the Jesus prayer. The Jesus prayer is uh, is something that uh, in tradition people will say this multiple times a day or, or pretty constantly is like a, is a refrain, and it's Son of a Living God, um, Jesus Christ, Son of a Living God, uh, have mercy on me as a sinner. Um, I don't do the full one. I have like an abbreviated version where I just, and I think it's just because it feels soothing to say, I, I go, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. And I think there's like a, there's something about <laughs> there's, some, there's some emotion in the way you said yes. that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And sometimes the have mercy sounds a little bit like uh, Jesse from a full house. <laughs> it's all in my head. But there's just something about it. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. There's like a, I don't know. I think it feels like um, God's laughing with me in my stress in that space, if that makes sense. Like he, yeah, yeah. Not stress. in like a demeaning way, but in an understanding no, like way. He's like, oh, dude, you're you're all right. Like, you know how you're the best friends, you lay out all the really stressful things of life and then they just kind of laugh with you. They just like, laugh with you. Oh, yeah. dear. That is a lot. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I feel in those moments and I, I just kind of find it centering it feels like i have just i do feel less alone to be able to share that experience and then i'll just pray for whatever i need to pray um and for me it, it I, I will set aside time to either take a, sh- a, a shower or a bath every day and i do that in that space the second thing i do is just reaching out to other people to pray with me i think that there's something about other people's ability to to, to help me connect with god maybe it's me as an extrovert i also just think it's just a natural thing I also think part of it is 
we are not very good at saying, this is what I need. And then communicating that. And a lot of asking for people to pray for you is, I'm struggling with this. What I need is this. Can you pray that for me? And there's, I think part of it's the connection of another person in that space. Part of it's sharing yourself. But then part of it is it's like, I'm actually learning, like prayer is one of those rare things where we get to ask for things we have no control over. I get to say, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. And I get to just say it. And that's, that's just been immensely, immensely helpful. And then the third one has been, is just noticing internally, this has been particularly to the pandemic, when I'm feeling shame or I'm feeling uh, guilty that I'm not, I haven't, well, you know, normally I'm a lot more productive than I am right now. Or like, like I'm feeling, and just taking a minute and just being like, it's a pandemic, let me feel grace. And I think that's just been helpful for me to, to even just like, maybe I'm blame shifting, I don't know, but it's been helpful just to be like, we have a pandemic, I need to have grace on myself that X, Y, or Z is not maybe as my ideal would want it to be. Yeah, very good. All right, well, uh, we've got a uh, another uh, set of uh, ideas that are coming from our own prayer lives and perhaps they relate to you or something that was, was said on Sunday, perhaps that relates to you, um, but hopefully this all can serve your own relationships with God. Thanks for being with us and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.